0: Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, I have come to set the earth on fire and how I wish it were already blazing. There is a baptism with which I must be baptized and how great is my anguish until it is accomplished. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise you, Lord Jesus, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible told me so. That little Lullaby is probably how it got started for so many of us. You know, coming to know a Jesus who is tender, who is kind, who is generous, who is loving, who is sweet, who is kind of like a nice big lamb that would hug us and we could hug back. You know, that's sort of our image of Jesus growing up and it's magnified by the beautiful little drawings in our children's Bible and then the holy cards that we used to get in school, you know, with with a very beautiful Jesus sort of standing there with his hands open. You know, everything was built to design for us an image of Jesus that was very sweet, very kind, very loving for us. Jesus loves me, yes I know, for the Bible told me so. And then, every once in a while, we get a gospel like today's, and you say, is that what the Bible taught us, really? You know, because here, our image of Jesus is kind of undercut by the Jesus that's presented to us in the 12th chapter of Luke's gospel. It's not a sweet Jesus. It's not a gentle Jesus. It's, It's not a Jesus who is like a big lamb loving us, and we can love back. To the contrary, this Jesus comes to us kind of like a big, you know, a wallop to our sense of who Jesus is. His his opening words are, you know, this world, you know, I've come for division, not for peace. It's like, well, what about peace on earth and all that stuff when you were born? No, I come to bring a fire to the earth, and how I, and it's going to divide people. And then get this long list of people who are going to be divided. You know, a family of five, two against three, and mother against father, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, and all of that stuff. Jesus is on a rant here. He's, he's really, really undercutting his sweet image here. This is a not a Pollyannish Jesus who sees everybody and everything and all the world with, with rose-colored glasses and everything will be well and everything's fine and we can just look at the good side of people and we'll all get along and eventually, of course, we'll all be gathered around a campfire singing Kumbaya. Well, that's not the Jesus we have here. It's a Jesus. He says in his own words, I have come for division. So what are we supposed to make of this, this sort of ranting Jesus, this angry Jesus, this hot Jesus that we find in today's gospel with all of this division and baptism by fire and everything? Well, clearly, Jesus had a very, very realistic view of the human heart and just how dark it could be. You know, it it doesn't take any deep reading of the gospel to discover that, that though he is a very good man, though he is doing very good things, though he is preaching very beautiful things, there are people who don't like him. You know, you have these Pharisees and the Sadducees and the leaders of the people in particular. Who are kind of always after him. At first they're just kind of probing him and testing him. And then as the gospels go on. The division between them gets worse and worse. And deeper and deeper. They don't like Jesus. And eventually they have a role to play in bringing him down. It's it's this that Jesus sees. He's not naive about what these characters are up to. What they're thinking. How they're responding to him. And what is it that they find distasteful in Jesus? What is it that they find to be something that they have to push back against? These leaders of the people, these leaders of the faith. Well, two things really. One, his, his example of love is one that goes beyond the usual boundaries of their religion. He breaks Sabbath laws, yes, but he also brings his kindness and his care and his love outside the boundaries of Israel. Samaritan women, for example. That's really, really a big deal. That's why people don't like him. But maybe more than that, it becomes clear also to these people, as they listen to Jesus, that he's making claims about himself that are intolerable, really you know this carpenter from nowhere nazareth is claiming that he knows god as his own very his very own father his papa and and that he's his son and that maybe just maybe he's the long awaited messiah get out of here it can't be he doesn't fit the description and shame on him for doing that. Shame on him for, for being so arrogant as to say, I am the son of the father. And I know the father and the father knows me. Who does he think he is anyway? <laughs> so Jesus can read their hearts. He knows what's going on. It's no big trick. It's not a magic thing that he can be able to see that these guys hate him. And that they're willing to go into cahoots with the forces of the Roman Empire eventually to bring him down. Jesus is very clear eyed about this. And it's this baptism of fire of which he speaks. He knows that they're going to squash him. He knows that bad things down the road are going to happen to him. And and it's, of course, a call to him to be faithful to his vocation as he faces that. Remember, he sweats blood on that night before he dies, saying, take this cup away from me. But he's faithful. He's true, and he keeps his eye on the prize in spite of the opposition, in spite of the hatred, in spite of all the dark stuff that goes on. And he knows as well that what is dividing him ...from these other folks out there, from the Pharisees, from the leaders of the people, from the high priests... ...is also going to divide his own disciples. He knows that eventually when push comes to shove... ...when, when darkness descends over them... ...when it's no longer just a happy walk through Galilee as he preaches and teaches and blesses an occasional leper or blind man... ...that, that this is going to get really serious and look at the 12 that he's gathered around himself just the 12 this is his super group these are his his deepest and best brothers in this mission and by this point in the gospel he probably already knows that that his pal judas his pal judas is going to betray him because he doesn't like what jesus is doing he's not the kind of messiah Judas wants him to be talk about division and and then there's Peter Peter the rock upon whom I'm going to build my church well we all know how wobbly he gets when push comes to shove I do not know the man I do not know the man I do not know the man three times and and the other nine ten of them well for the most part they cut and run They end up hiding in a room so that what happened to Jesus won't happen to them. Jesus must also have sensed that the division and the temptations that would come in these dark times, in these cataclysmic moments, in these catastrophes of human life, when the human heart does terrible things to to other human hearts, that this would not just be a one-time thing. We know that, for example, when he's walking his way to, Cal- to Calvary, I almost said Calgary, <laughs> to Calvary. When he's walking his way to Calvary, he meets this group of women and he says, you know, don't weep for me, weep for yourselves and for your children. Because this whole thing is going to come down around your heads. What the Romans are doing to me, they're going to do to all of you. And sure enough, within 40 years, the Romans squashed the entire city of Jerusalem, burning it to the ground, killing hundreds if not thousands. And it doesn't end there. Our history of humanity is, is one catastrophe, one darkness, one massacre, one holocaust after another, after another, after another, right up to the middle of the last century. And really, into our own times, in one way or another, and 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 the same challenge that Jesus has for his self and for his disciples, for the early Christians, is the same challenge he has for us. It's easy to follow me when things are going well, when we're having a nice little stroll through Galilee, and I'm healing people and I'm preaching beautiful things about good shepherds and things like that. That's easy. <laughs> It's when the darkness falls. It's when things go sour. It's when catastrophe hits. It's when death has its claws into us. It's when our societies fall apart and everything goes to chaos. When there's no longer any protections. When we lose everything. That's that's when we are really tested in our faith and in our love. Because in those moments it's so easy to say, I'm alone in this. In those moments it's so easy to say, there's no God out there helping me, look at the mess I'm in. In those moments it's so easy to say, well the only way to fight this evil is to be evil myself. It's in those moments when it's most difficult to forgive and to be people of light, life, peace and justice. And and that's a challenge for us as much as for any other generation of Jesus' followers right back to his own. In the letter to the Hebrews, written maybe about the end of the first century, the writer tells his Christian followers, because by then things were not looking that great, They were in the middle of tough times, catastrophe and calamity and crisis. Darkness and death abounding all around them. And he says, run the race. Run the race. Be faithful to the race. Don't quit early. And secondly, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus as you run. In the good times, yes, run the race and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. In the dark times, yes, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and run the race. In the catastrophic and cataclysmic times, yes, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and finish the race. In the moment when death seems to have her claws deep into us and everyone around us, Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and finish the race.